Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here. It is episode 64, Tuesday night. I want to say, if my brain is anywhere near correct, that it's November 20th, uh, 2012. I think that's a pretty good guess. What is going on? It's Tuesday evening. Thursday is actually Thanksgiving, so it's kind of a holiday episode, but because of the fact that it's not actually happening on Thanksgiving, it's a pseudo-holiday episode, so whatever. Lots of stuff going on in the off-road world as we kind of cap up the year uh there's a couple more races for more local stuff but with baja and enduro cross going on lots of things to talk about roof of africa and some other jazz like that but but what is much more pertinent and much more awesome about all the stuff that goes on is the fact that i have a guest this evening with me is mr brian elliott so one of course as i always like to find out from my guest mr brian elliott how is your evening going kind sir um just magical um uh, just hanging out and uh talking to my boy brian so i can't really think of anything yeah, that's better true. To be doing. i'm not gonna say that there's not uh better things to be doing but at the same time there probably aren't worse things to be doing so i mean you know you're talking to me on the internet we're hanging out your wife's home alone you know so that's awkward for some of us but you know we deal we deal uh i might have lost you there so we're gonna figure it out i'm gonna keep going and see if you pop back up Totally lost Brian Elliott. That's okay. I'm pretty sure he's going to call me. I'm going to keep going. Show has to go on, folks. So one of the things that did happen this past weekend was the Baja 1000. So we know that JCR won uh, and that we had a problem uh, mechanical that actually happened with the Kawasaki team, the THR team that Destry Abbott was on, David Pearson, and a couple other guys. Uh, they, they were riding really well. Everybody was up close and personal with the top three teams that everybody was looking at with KTM, Kawasaki, and Honda. Um but unfortunately, they had a mechanical right before one of the checkpoints and had to bow out. And so while they had to bow out, we had KTM coming in behind them, uh, coming in behind Honda, trying to catch up to the JCR team. And it's very unfortunate that Quinn Cody uh, broke his femur, actually. So that is definitely not the way that you want to you know, end your year. And your Baja, you know, KTM was really uh, trying to flout the fact that they were going to have a phenomenal year. They trying to win the 250, the 500, the 1,000, and really uh, knock it out of the park. Well, unfortunately, that's not the way that it went down. It sounds like everybody rode great, but Kirk Caselli, being the man that he is, jumped on the bike when they caught up and found out that Quinn was okay uh, to make sure things, they just wanted to, you know, they wanted to finish, you know, once they found out he was stable. Uh, they kept going. They came in second. Um, obviously, Kawasaki guys DNF, so it's unfortunate for them. It and we had guys like Mike Brown on the KTM team, and then we had guys uh, like Destry Abbott that uh, jumped on planes and flew into California the same day as they just got off the bike for like eight hours and then got either drove or flew into Las Vegas. And from there, they were there for the Endurocross finale. So they had two mains on Saturday. There's tons of crazy stuff going on. It was really cool because of the fact that they had the webcast live on uh live online i mean there's endurocross.com slash live boom there it was you could find it it was really neat to see because of the fact that what we were trying to do what you know when i went to loretta lynn's and did the gncc race there with racer productions that's what we were trying to create we were trying to create you know the feeling that you were there but at a little bit more of a, a down-to-earth kind of personality you could hang out you could watch some of the racing that's going on you could listen to some of the banter back and forth between me and some of the other guests and things like that or and some of the other you know, hosts that are there, 
Um, and I think that they did a really, really good job, considering the fact that it was their first time. The host, um, you know, Dano and the other dude, they had kind of done some things before. I think his name, I think his from Dirt Rider was the other guy. You know, he obviously, being from Dirt Rider, is probably more in the spotlight than the guy Dano is. But you could totally tell that Dano was like a brocal dude. Like, he said a lot of sweets, sounded like a surfer. Um, didn't have ton of information correct, uh, but that's okay. That's why they had a, you know his co-host there from Dirt Rider, so it, I think it worked out. Um, but you know, hopefully Brian Elliott gives me a call back here in a second so we can get him back on because um, I know that he had an amazing adventure uh, while he was there in in Vegas. Actually, let's just do it. You know what? Whatever. This is the internet. We're live. That's okay. It happens. I'm gonna go ahead and text Brian and see. We can get him back on. I'm telling him to call me back. So, but what did I do this weekend, man? It wasn't really that much. I wish that I could say that I did more racing. I did not do very much racing, unfortunately. Uh, they did have a Toro, um, which was in Alvarado, Texas. I honestly don't even know where Alvarado is. Um, I saw that Cole Kirkpatrick wasn't there. I knew that he was trying to do another, you know, another run, if you will, at a Toro Championship. But you know, as well as trying to make a living right now. Um, you know, filming and, and he's trying to get better at that and just kind of keep, keep moving, moving and shaking, if you will. And so, you know, I mean, you got to miss that kind of stuff. You got to miss that kind of stuff. It's just the way it goes, but it's unfortunate. Um, obviously the guys who were there, obviously, or he's saying that his camera is gone again. So no idea what that means. So he might call us back. He might not. I don't know. Hopefully he does because I don't think I'm going to be nearly as funny as I would be if he wasn't here. But that's okay. I'm going to keep trying to go and see what's... One of the things... Or another interesting bit from this weekend. I'm going to talk about some of the lesser points just so that way because I know that Brian's got a lot of good stuff from Vegas we could talk about. One of the things that I thought was absolutely hilarious that I found out probably earlier last week was the fact that David Knight now has his own money. Uh, it's the 50 pence coin, I believe, or 50 pounds. I... I don't know, 50px, whatever that is in, in uh, on the Isle of Man is what David Knight is rocking himself on. Uh, he is now on their official, one of their official coins. I think that's absolutely insane. Now, people were saying that David Knight launched his own money. That's obviously a big speculation and nowhere near true. This isn't something that David Knight concocted and he's like, I'm going to make my own money. No, he didn't make his own money. He, uh, you know, he is because of the fact that he's such a strong athlete and he's from the isle of man uh, the isle of man government asked if they could put him on one of their new coins and they did and he said yes and boom there it is now he's on there thought that was quite awesome i ordered one so i'm going to see when that comes in how that it's going to go down and uh you know what we can make happen and then another bit was the fact that the roof of africa happened this past or finished up this past weekend it's like a three three day event so lots of stuff going on with the roof of africa obviously the it a lot of riding. If you watch any of the highlights from that Red Bull puts out, the terrain is very, very varied. Um, obviously, there's a lot of rocks. There's a lot of uh, hills and things like that. Uh, he thinks he broke it. I I don't know. I don't know. This guy can't do anything with him at all. Uh, so, but... So... But Graham Jarvis, the fact 
that he everybody was really thinking that he was going to win again. He's been obviously so dominant and strong and things like that, but he didn't. You know what happened? He got beat by a 16-year-old. Now, I was trying to find more information about this, but just with the life going on, the fact that I have a full-time job, all that kinds of crap still right now, it's uh, it was quite difficult. But I think that it's really good to see. It's it, it's been kind of interesting because we had Chris Birch, who was really kind of the up-and-comer. Then we had Taddy Lazuzak, who was a little bit younger than him, you know, one of the younger trials guys out there. And then we had Graham Jarvis, who he's not very young, but he's definitely, you know, a trials guy, his background. And then we've got now kind of this 16-year-old. I mean, like, oh, Johnny Walker was one of the other guys that was kind of, um, you know, really fighting for those positions in the hard Enduros. And... I thought it was kind of crazy that now it's a 16-year-old that kind of comes out. So it was kind of interesting. Uh, I'm going to see really quick if I can get Brian Elliott at least on the phone um, and that we can uh, talk to him that way. So I know I, I honestly don't want to have to stop this just to completely get out of route. Uh, so I'm going to see if I can pull up my contacts and make this happen semi-quickly and see where we go from there calling his number right now i'd tell it to you but he'd probably get really pissed at me if i did that so we'll see if he answers i don't know if you guys can hear what i'm hearing right now but it is ringing so we're gonna see if we can get in touch with brian elliott it's ringing still calling him in idaho that little monkey better answer his phone i don't know what do you guys think can you trust him sounds like it's still ringing Hey, you've reached Brian Elliott. I uh, can't get to the phone right now, so please leave your name and a message, and I'll call you back as soon as possible. Thanks, and have a great day. At the tone, please record your message. message guys. When you have we're finished have recording, really you may message. hang up or press 1 for Hey, what's options. up, Brian Elliott? Brian Pierce here, just recording seat time, waiting on your ass to get back on the computer. Figure it out. We need to talk. Laters. Don't call me on this phone. It's my Google phone. Text me, and I will hit you back. Peace. Uh, so there's that. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Might be able to get back in touch with him. Might not be able to. So, 16-year-old freaking beats Graham Jarvis uh, at the Roof of Africa this past weekend. Uh, Chris Birch was up there still. He wasn't in the podium, uh, but he still rode well. I, I think he's kind of on his way out. It's unfortunate. He's a good rider, but you know Graham Jarvis as well. I mean, we'll have to see. Is this 16-year-old going to be able to beat him? Again, at the next uh, the next hard enduro, or is Graham Jarvis, you know, just gonna take it back? It was just kind of a fluke or whatever. One race, you know, eh, crap happens. I don't know. Another uh, highlight bit that I saw while I was scouring the internet this past week was the fact that uh, the J Day Off Road Series. So we know that Johnny uh, Gar- Garor won the 2012 Pro Series. So it seems like John Day wants to kind of branch out and try to grow his series which i think he should he has a really good concept and it seems that that it's something that a lot of people would have would, would want to focus on um, now when he takes i don't i've never been to a race so i do not know his personal format with being at the race I and mean, he takes this format to more of a national level especially considering the fact he's going to florida saturday what is it uh march 9th you know that saturday before bike week or the beginning of bike week there's going to be a lot of people down there, and I think it's going to put a lot of stress um, on 
on you know his organization and the people that he has surrounding him, helping him with that organization and the race series. So it's going to be a good testament to see how well he can structure and bring up that uh, that organization. And I'm looking forward to it. We actually, uh, I was talking to him earlier today. We were trying to get him on the show. Fortunately, he's been driving all day. So we're going to have him on next week, talk to him a little bit about what he's thinking about 2013, how he thinks Florida's going to go, all that kinds of stuff. We did have the schedule as well come out for the GNCC. It looks like Loretta Lynn's is not going to be the last race of the season um, this year, or I'm sorry, for 2013. Uh, it's actually going to be the third to last season. So they are bringing it back, and now Iron Man will be the last one. And it looks like it's going to be at the end of October. Um, being so they're not going to branch out into November. So everybody who, you know, works with virtual productions and is at every GNCC and maybe at a lot of the ATV motocrosses and things like that, they're not going to be, you know, as, as kept up, if you will, into November. So they're going to get at least three to four months off, uh, between races or between series, I guess, to kind of catch back up and, and work on all the things that they have been working on. Well, I mean, it's unfortunate that we haven't really caught back up with Brian Elliott right now. I know he's still trying to figure things out, but Vegas was really interesting to watch from the webcast perspective. As I said, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I really enjoyed watching it from the webcast. They did. The, I know that they went through a very professional company uh, in the sense that they hired them to take over the reins and really run everything for them and then they would come up with their own host uh, for being a first run i thought it was awesome uh, i thought the the host needed a little bit of help but honestly i know that i needed a lot of help most of the time i need a lot of help but i definitely needed help when it came down to uh, being at the gncc so that is definitely you just can't wing it the first time and, and do it perfect um so they did a phenomenal job and I'm, I'm looking forward to it because if i can watch every race like that uh, I would be very excited, and I would love to actually help out, too, and maybe be a part of it. When I was looking at the track, I didn't think it looked all that gnarly, but once everybody got riding and a lot of that water uh, was getting dragged around the track, you could tell that the track was getting very, very difficult, especially the rock section when they had them taking that left-hand turn, and then they were kind of the, the rocks were really spaced out, and I think that that was catching up a lot of people, and it was just a huge momentum a huge momentum suck. <laughs> there was there was nothing good about those that uh, that part of the track. So it, it was kind of interesting to see so many top riders kind of going down in those sections and not being able to make it to the main. And if you didn't make it to the first main, you didn't make it to the second main because they had two mains that night. So there, there was a lot of racing that went on. They had the night race as well between, and that oh, I, I'm sorry, but that just that didn't look like fun. I mean, you put no. I mean, sure, those lights put off a lot of light. You know, when it comes down to, to watts or BCUs or whatever the technical term would be of how much light they're putting out. But, oh, my gosh, there's no way I would want to do that. That is retarded. Those tracks are hard enough as it is. So props to those guys for doing it. Uh, props to Taddy for winning the championship, man. It was pretty uh, pretty neat to see, to be able to watch it. And Brian says he thinks he fixed it. So I'll tell him, call me again. Call me. I don't know. Like Skype. Skype me. Let's see. I'm about to answer his call. I don't know if he's actually there, though. Yeah? You I'm here, me? and I see you. Right. I see. Talking. I, I don't think sure you're going to see me, audio. though. No, you talk, yeah. not me talk. I'm no, 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 talking. What do you want me to talk about? 
Talk, talk. Would you like me to go into maybe some uh, some freestyle <laughs> rap lyrics, amazing. perhaps? Okay. So I've been essentially holding down the show while you have had technical difficulties. So if you go, I've pretty much covered everything, so you're really not that important anymore, except for the fact that I do not know all the behind the scenes of Vegas. I want to know about the, all the awesome that went down because, oh my gosh, I know that being there for that race end must have been so freaking awesome. It looks like following you guys on Twitter and Instagram and all that crap, looks like you and your buddies had a phenomenal trip down. You got to ride in all kinds of cool places, so give us the freaking lowdown. But first, what are you drinking? <laughs> uh, well, tonight I'm drinking uh, one of Mexico's finest of uh, the De La Cruz. Uh, it would be the cheapest Mexican beer one could purchase look like? ever. So it's delicious. Like a seat time glass. Uh, urine in, <laughs> in a seat time glass. That's pretty What's much the happens? best way to describe it. Yeah, Tastes slightly, slightly better. I like it. Just, well, uh, just, just, to, just to be, I am uh, <laughs> drinking out of my Vita Brevis koozie because I like to say thanks to my friends. And as well, I'm trying this uh, Fox Barrel authentic natural it is a pear cider uh i don't really know if i'm wussing it up on purpose or i'm just uh pretending that when it says gluten free that that means it's healthy i really uh, don't know what to tell you so that's what i'm drinking so tell me about what you uh what you did in vegas buddy well i will uh, try to recollect as much as uh physically possible at this point i, I think i'm still on the downside <laughs> of a three-day hangover so yeah, but uh, no, man, it was a good time. We uh, pretty much uh, planned a random adventure. I think last Wednesday, really in about three feet of snow in Montana, and uh, my good friend Josh Buell from Northern Idaho, uh, he called me and he wanted to go down to Vegas, and so we just kind of put it together real last minute, came up with some ideas, and um, shit, we just. I left Montana. He left northern Idaho. We drove back to Boise, picked up my roommate, stayed, kept the truck running, threw our dirt bikes in the back, and uh, we drove down to uh, St. George, Utah, uh, where our good friends at Fast Company have their uh, full-on operation going down there, and they invited us to go for a day ride with all the guys from Dirt Rider, and um, that was so kind of the start of the, the adventure. You know? And Fast Company? Yeah, it was just a, a wonderful uh, collaboration of awesome. You know, it was uh, just all of our buddies. Um, Jesse Ziegler came down from Klein. Uh, Jesse actually grew up in the same town that I grew up in in Montana. So so we're buddies from way back. And, uh, you know, it was just a good, good group of guys. And um, a lot of other people came out. The guys from uh, Air Group yeah. uh, from the National Enduro Series came out. Um bunch of random people man and we just we uh man, we did some fun riding it was uh southern utah man Hell it's yeah, gotta dude, be one of the funnest awesome. places i've ever ridden i've been to moab but that's not that's nowhere near there though is it yeah it was it's it's real similar um moab has you know you get the rocks and you can ride uh, a lot of those big sheet rocks that are yeah, just like, like house size boulders um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and these were uh, this was kind of interesting. It was a good mix of that and uh, sand, and so you could be going from riding that, but then you felt fall in like a crevice, and you're in like four feet of sand and trying to get out of it, it back up like, on top. Uh, you, and you know what that feels like. Uh, um, within the yeah, well, within the first fifteen minutes, I broke my rear brake off, um, which hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was custom. I actually, you know, I wanted to get some practice in riding with no rear brake, so I figured uh, I'd just take the brake off at that point altogether. Solid, solid um, idea. And from there, that became yeah, a horrible idea because when you're riding on top of boulders and rocks and ledges and you forget <laughs> that you don't have a rear brake, that became a fairly bad idea at the time. So uh, I fell down and hurt myself, but uh, we got back up and had a good day after yeah, that, dude. so it was Okay, fun. so then you went to Utah, okay, so from Utah, it seems like you guys had another riding day. Did you guys have another riding day anywhere else, or did you guys from there go into Vegas? That was, that was kind of our ride, and that we did that all day Thursday, so we drove uh, pretty much all into the night, late Wednesday night, rode all day Thursday. Um, from there, we had to catch yes. the Steak and Lobster special um at at the casablanca and mesquite uh unfortunately the casablanca (laughs) no longer exists in mesquite uh so the steak and lobster special was not uh what we did we just decided to keep drinking and uh continued on to las vegas from that point did you uh when you got into vegas and anything did you guys do anything special or did you meet up with anybody or you guys just going straight for the straight to the enduro cross because you guys got but you guys got there on friday or saturday we got oh, so there uh, Thursday night, time. actually. So, yeah, what did you so, guys do, obviously, um, then, when you, uh, since you didn't have to go straight to any kind of enduro cross this? <laughs> uh, well, if I can put all my timetables together and see, because it all kind of blends together at some point. Um, we had, uh, the first night, we had quite an adventure planned. Uh, Josh Buell and Jason Parsons rode down from Fast Company in St. George together. Uh, Jason Parsons is a works racer, um, off-road racer from Southern California, from Ridgecrest. And uh, he is also the rider rep for uh, for Fast Company. So those two drove down together, met us in Vegas. Uh, we kind of did the, the night on a town thing. We went down. Uh, nobody had ever been to Fremont, so we took like them to down ask, to Fremont. Well, Fremont Street is the the Fremont experience. That's where the giant, you know, TV screens above your head are, and okay. you see the airplanes and stuff. It's it's a it's pretty much old town Las Vegas. If you want to get like a, a cheap <laughs> penicillin shot, or um, like buy some Cheerios from a homeless person, you can do all that at once on Fremont Street. It's pretty much the scariest ghettoest so place in, in Vegas. On a Thursday night, it just seemed naturally that was the yeah, best absolutely. place to no, go. Yeah, it's so, a Thursday you know? night. Kids are in school. You got to make sure that you're watching out and not like going someplace they're going to see you. So you go down where the homeless people are. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then from there, we kind of have this thing. Uh, you know, we've been doing this Vegas Enduro Cross uh, road trip now, We, you know, twice a year almost for the past three years. And so we get really creative on what we do. And uh, our theme was the cheapest places we could gamble, like the ghettoest places. So we went into all these casinos that nobody had ever heard of, um, which really was a, a pretty did, did awesome time, to be honest. Like we, in, we had a good uh, time. The, what is it? Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Where, uh... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, that was That's that's kind of the <laughs> level of quality we're, we're aiming for uh, when it comes to the food selection of the buffet or the game selection of playing war or guess which hand it's in. <laughs> 
Um, guess which hand it is it's one of my favorite games, oh my to be God. honest. That's so cool. That's kind of interesting that they would actually have something like that in Vegas. But, you know, you got to run with what you know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyways, no, man, we continued on. The next day they did day qualifiers all day Friday. Um, we kind of, well, we got to bed probably about, I don't know, maybe 4.30 or 5.00. And, uh, and then decided to wake up a couple hours later to go down for the qualifiers that didn't start until one. So pretty sure we ate breakfast and went back to bed at that <laughs> yeah. point. Uh, once you, once you realized that, you were up too yeah. early, you were yeah, like, it just seemed like, dumb. we need to go back to sleep. Yeah. Well, at some point, you know, there, the, the difference between night, morning, day, it all just kind of yeah, blends together to wherever you're at. Up, so you're like, oh man, my body clock feels off. <laughs> uh so we had quite the between me and my uh my myself and uh and uh my, josh buell uh who's a lumberjack really? uh from northern idaho uh really? uh yeah yeah buell's a good guy you know i, I think he brought uh one change of clothes for the three days so <laughs> that was cool. of underwear and uh well that's kind of a different story altogether. I don't know if Josh Buell own owns any. a set of underwear. I mean, if you're going to Vegas, to might bring him, but you know. Yeah, so you know, I don't think he'd even mind me saying that on on uh, live radio. I don't think he would. I like the bit. fact that he doesn't even own underwear. Why would you need it? Is he married, or does he just like you know pick up string? No, not not married whatsoever. No, he's just uh, he's that's, just down there to have himself a good time. That's and not he's like a, a he's a great line. We had a lot of fun. I don't want to actually like come hang out with him because he doesn't wear underwear. I mean, there's a whole other reason why I'd probably want to go hang out with him. You know, but well, and as you can imagine, uh, the weekend went on uh, with a bang. We had a great time. Then Friday night rolled around after the qualifying. Um, again, uh, I think we got back into our room probably about. Uh, seven in the morning on Saturday uh, prior to the racing that started that afternoon as well. So another pretty long night uh, that led into about two, three hours of sleep. And then we went straight down. We had some video coverage we had to do, which was awesome. And uh, put together actually a couple different projects for this trip that we were working on. So I'm excited to kind of get those out here over the next couple days. And, and uh, the racing that took place on Saturday, man, was just uh, incredible Cody Webb. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of the kid. You know, he, he went out there and he wanted to show the world that he could, uh, he could beat Taddy he came up a little short, but man, uh, the last lap of the, of the first, of the first heat, I mean, it was so neck and neck in that first main event that it was crazy. It was anybody's race in those rock sections. And I'll tell you what, man, those rocks, the rock section that they made for this race was beyond the complicated there wasn't a rider that wasn't in the pits after practice and after the race saying we hate this to the point where they're pretty upset to where the guys were considering filling in the holes and then they decided not to fill in the holes and then they it was just cra- it yeah, became no, it was straight crazy chaos watch, man it was wild. Yeah, i was able to watch it through the webcast and stuff like that and it was actually pretty nuts to watch and you could tell that one of the big the big differences was that the rocks seemed to be more spaced out this time, and so it seemed to create a little bit more kind of those little crevices between the rocks opposed to just, you know, the bits where the rocks would uh, typically separate if they were butted up against each other. Uh, and it really did. I mean, it was swallowing whole uh, front tires. It was swallowing ankles. It was swallowing rear tires. It was almost swallowing whole bikes. I mean, 
it was uh it was pretty interesting so that's cool and funny to hear that the writers were just like you know what i don't know if i want to do this this is no fun <laughs> yeah and you know that right there is when you know you got a successful race you know and you can find out that uh, most of the top 10 guys are pretty bummed about the course or pretty stressed about the course Shit, you know you got yourself a good really. race and uh that's exactly yeah, you know, it's exactly right. Like what you said about the law or the rocks. I mean, they instead of having any sort of rhythm to them whatsoever, they just put big boulder, two feet big boulder. So there was just enough room to where you couldn't really keep the front end light and carry that carry the tire over. It just it seemed like anywhere your front end touched <laughs> it wanted to stay. So it was real it was just really difficult for guys to get all the way through without getting either front or rear stuck. I mean, I don't know how many chains became derailed or how many sparks we saw flying out of that uh that rock pit, but it was it was cool, man. It was cool to see that and really I mean, you'd have a race, you know, normally where you'd have Taddy dominate by a lap, you had what you had, which was a full-on battle pretty much yeah, in, no. in both races, then, uh, which is pretty neat. Of course, we've got Cody Webb yeah. doing his little uh, his little dance after uh, almost winning the second main, so close, you know, losing it on the first on the last lap like that. And it's a, but he did his little uh, I'm gonna make fun of Taddy dance afterwards. Did you get to see any of that? Oh yeah, you know, Cody Webb's been uh, practicing his dance moves now for about 16 years, um, but I feel yes. like. I feel like he should have started do it, dancing with the lights on at some point um, so he could really show how good his dance moves really were. So I felt like, you know, Vegas was a good place for him to debut those. Um, and so, yeah, so he did. I was I was pretty pumped. I think he has no, quite yeah, the future as a showgirl. So if nothing else, he knows, he knows who to call. And it's not the ghost, with those moves, it's not Ghostbusters, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, straight up. So, yeah, and then, you know, with that, the other kid, you know, uh, the, the final main of the night, Kyle Redman. Um, so proud of Kyle Redman, just an awesome kid. Getting up there on that podium as well and rocking it. Um, just It was just such a great atmosphere this race. You know, Max Kirsten doing as good as he did, and uh, so the beta guys did really well, and it's neat to see a program like uh, that Alan Stillwell's running beta do so well in a series. Um, you know, and it, it's legitimate. I mean, you talk to Cody or you talk to Max Kirsten about those betas and they, they like the bikes. They work really well, uh, for what they're using them for. And so it's, it's neat to see that interaction, uh, between the team and the riders and the bikes, especially with an off brand like that. And even, you know, the Husqvarna's kind of the same thing, you know, it's like, you know, here's a little niche where these bikes actually work really well instead of, you know, vice versa in the in the mainstream yeah. racing you don't Do you quite see as if, much uh, so. max gearston yeah. actually runs like the two-speed or three-speed transmission like cody webb does you know I'm, I'm not actually sure um that's definitely something i'd have to ask him I, I know cody was uh testing out a new top secret recluse product that i'm pretty excited to test myself and and see him play with that uh yeah, we could yeah. probably discuss a little bit trouble, imagine. but at the same time you're really far away from me so what do you know about this product well along the lines of what we talked about last time about being able to uh you know we were talking about adjusting suspension on the fly and the way kind of wibbly has our bike set up you know as far as the team bikes go and whatnot um uh recluse has worked on a new product that cody was testing that man it, it looked pretty neat it's uh pretty you can actually adjust that that slack or readjust your um i guess i'm trying to figure out the right wording for how recluse describes it but your free play in that clutch is now instead of having to take the clover uh, the, the cover off to adjust it they've designed a way you can adjust it on the fly 
um, is which hydraulic? is incredible. Is it, uh, is it, it's, it's, um, I guess I, I didn't peek at it enough. I don't believe it is. Um, but it's, uh, it's still in the one that he had set up on his bike. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll let that kind of wait until it comes out full on for the public and how it's going to work and what, you know, how it is. I'll let you know that I'm definitely excited to start testing with one because, uh, where I live, you get such a variance between the sand heading south or the, the mountains heading north and the trees that, uh, you know, you can do a lot of hard work on those, on those auto clutches. And so you really have to be able to, uh, adjust them fairly easily. And so it's a step for a step in the right direction. And that's what in my opinion, recluse, that's a company that they see an issue right away. They decide to fix it and step up to the plate. So yeah, it's neat to actually, see them working on that. It's actually really interesting yeah. to hear about. I had no clue that they were working on a way that you could adjust it on the fly, essentially, you know, from the handlebars. Now, if we're talking about what you would see, yeah. a lot of the times we, we kind of like to go back and forth because of the fact that there's so much high tech stuff in the mountain bike world. You know, they like try to keep everything on your handlebars so that you can adjust it really easily on the fly. If they were to have something like that, it would be interesting if they were to try to do a cable pull because a cable pull is just it, it, your cable's going to go slack and then you got to adjust that and something else. But it was hydraulic. As long as it's bled correctly, there you know nothing's going to happen unless that line breaks. And so, excuse me, I would almost want to say that it's like if they're going to do something like that, that it's going to be some kind of hydraulic activated you know button press or maybe even electronic. I don't know, man. I, I, I would be. Well, you, well, you didn't, you didn't yeah. hear anything from me about it, so I, I just I'll put the bug in the ear. But uh, I, I'm I'm excited. I think Recluse has a lot of cool things coming down the pipe. I think their focus on motocross and some of the stuff they got coming there. Um, just a, a really unique, uh, really unique company. And this weekend, I actually had a, a cool opportunity. Um, I shot kind of a commercial for them. Um, you know, I had a little idea to do something different. Uh, as far as industry st stuff goes. And I said, you know, hey, I want to do a testimonial with all your riders on what they think about the product and what and why they run the product. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, there's not a lot of guys out there industry-wise. I mean, you look at just our, our, our standards today, you know, most guys, they'll, uh, they'll run what they can get sponsored by, or they'll ride what they can, you know, what they can afford or however it goes. But uh, you've got a core group of guys that run Recluse products simply because of, how loyal they are to the company and how loyal the company is to them. And it's really neat to see that. And, you know, uh, I think you get that with companies like fly racing, uh, and Dale Spangler. And, uh, I think you get that with these guys at recluse to where you, you know, you have a product and these guys want to stand behind it no matter what. And, uh, you know, you could call up recluse and say, man, I really, I don't like the way this works. And they will either, they'll do anything in their power to make sure that it's working perfectly the way it's supposed to. So you're, and it's just, it's just neat. Cause all these riders, I couldn't get anybody to, I mean, these guys right. ride that clutch by choice. Somebody doesn't come to them and right. say, Hey, pay you to run this. They call recluse. They say, I want to try this. I want to run it. And their rider support develops a certain system for their type of riding. And it's just really neat how, uh, Zach and all the guys, Austin have all developed such a great system over there. Patrick, uh, Kohler was the one who started it all as far as that rider support goes. And, just need to see that. I I was I learned a lot oh, yeah, shooting dude. that commercial. Well, um, it was cool. Okay, so overall, I just want to know, like, uh, you know, give it a give it a give it a star of a one to ten of your weekend in Vegas, and then I want to know your number one highlight from the trip, and then your number one low light, because everybody has a low light. In Vegas, <laughs> I can imagine. 
Oh man. All right. So highlight for sure was uh let's see, Saturday night after the race, uh as usual, Good we board. had the alligator bar party. Uh, uh where all all of all of us uh everybody Did gets Destry together, to has a great time. All the ride. Yeah, uh no shirt off from Destry at this point. <laughs> I think he was still pretty tired right. from uh racing Baja. Uh so Destry did make an appearance, but, uh, you know, just a great crowd. I'm pretty sure that, uh, we came back through, uh, we officially left the alligator bar at about five 20, I want to say in the morning. And, uh, I, there, there are some names that will remain nameless that are still there should. going strong at that time. So, yep. And, uh, as far as the logos, uh, you know, I have a pretty specific low, actually. I, I talked to Spangler about this today on the phone. Uh, he asked me a similar question. I think that, you know, we we had a good time Saturday night, and it led on in the morning for sure. And so as we woke up, um, Josh Buell decided to come back in our room. Uh, there, There's no direct explanation for why he didn't sleep in our room, uh, but that can be left open to, uh, you know, interpretation. And uh, Josh Buell came in our room at about 8.30, uh, so about an hour of sleep, and woke us up and said, it's time to get on the road, bitches. <laughs> Shit is happening. And, uh, Shit. So, so as, we're, as we're in the road, or as we're getting out, uh, we, 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 we roll ourselves out of bed, and we're like, you know, we got a little, a little. bit of a drive ahead of us, and man, we make it downstairs, and we're, we're just zombies <laughs> trying to get out of our hotel, and our, our truck comes up from the valet, and we get it. And uh, man, I don't think I think there was probably four bathroom stops between the, the hotel and about ten miles outside of Vegas by the NASCAR track. And so our, our final stop was to get gas, and this is where the low comes in. Uh, we're, it gets we're, lower, folks. We're getting it gas at this lower. gas station. <laughs> oh, it, it keeps getting low. This is the final day to head home, and so we're sitting there. And uh, we're trying to get gas, and we, we get the gas, we go in, and we're like, man, we're not going to eat for about four or five hours. So we look around, and there's this buffet in this <laughs> this ghetto gas station. There's nothing good about this. You <laughs> and know we're that, like, right? well, no, no, I mean, you know, it's rough enough that we're at a gas station. But so we're like, all right, let's just uh, let's just grab some food before we get on the road. And, you know, I'm probably still uh, – I don't think I can blow – the legal limit at this point. So I was not driving by any means at, you know, nine 30 in the morning now at this time. Very responsible. Um, I'm proud of you. So, so I, I wasn't completely comprehending where we were fully. Um, but as we sit down and we decide to go to the buffet, uh, this is really what, where the humor comes out of it for myself. I think back to it. And, uh, as we all go to the buffet and come back, I distinctly remember looking at my roommate, Brian, and he is eating a bowl of chicken noodle soup with applesauce and chocolate pudding <laughs> as his two Gross. sides. I look, I look over across and Josh Buell is, is eating prime rib with a waffle and hash browns. And he's pouring ajou sauce that he thinks is syrup on his waffle. And he's got a my plate and I've got, I've got fried chicken and and breakfast and biscuits and gravy and uh and it's some scrambled eggs and I, I remember i looked up at one point i said man these scrambled eggs taste like bleach <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> and, 
Josh Buell is taking his last bite of the scrambled eggs on his plate. I mean, he had a mountain of them. It's like, yeah, you're right. They didn't taste that good. You're like, I need substance. And, oh, man. <coughs> at, that, at that point, uh, we could have left to get up and leave, but I'm pretty sure one of us got up to go get seconds, and we all followed. So uh, that was definitely the low point of, uh, of the trip, um, following a seven-hour drive home, which was a complete adventure of its own. And... Um, yeah, man, that wraps up our weekend. It was uh, it was just a lot of fun. You know, this motorcycle industry is is really one big family. And uh, endurocross, if if anybody ever gets a chance to go out to an endurocross race as a fan or as a rider, uh, to be able to to hang out with all the guys after the race, it really is. I mean, you can just be some kid off the street. You can go up and talk to Taddy Blazuziak and just everybody interacts so well. And I just, I don't think there's a motorcycle community like that anywhere uh, in the country or in the world besides off-road specifically, man. It's just, it's just a blast. And to get everybody in the same place at the same time, I don't even think it has to be in Vegas. You know, everybody's going to have fun and everybody's going to, you know. Do what well, they one, do. it makes me extremely so. jealous that I wasn't there to partake in any of the partying, but I don't know if I would have been able to make it at all these uh, all these little events that you keep talking about. And I'm kidding! I would have loved to have tried to make it. It would have been absolutely awesome, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. So maybe next year. I mean, I can keep I can I can keep saying that, right? Well, uh, you know, we definitely missed you. We definitely missed you. And uh, there's one thing that I, I totally forgot. You're gonna love this. Uh, so we're uh, we're in the room on up, right? That's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So we're we're in the room on Friday night, and uh, we're getting ready to kind of go out. And for whatever reason, we're, we're we've all been drinking a little bit, and we realize that the Latino Grammys are on TV. And so the TV show, like, not that we're none of us are realizing, so. But they have this to follow Latino Grammys, hashtag Latino Grammys. And so I got this bright idea that whatever photos we take for the rest of the night, we're going to hashtag Latino Grammys. So uh, if anybody gets the bright idea to hashtag Latino Grammys, unfortunately, Enrique Iglesias and Jennifer Lopez are not the two most famous people on the Latino Grammys uh the Alliance Off-Road crew, I believe, yeah, uh, took over did. the hashtag well, then, uh, for the, the next night, time so. that uh, we actually go to any kind of event and turn shit up and the volume goes to 11, we'll just do the Seat Time Live hashtag. Shit will just get absolutely crazy. I like it. And, you know, I think that we have a new thing. I think Dale Spangler will appreciate this as he's listening to this tomorrow in his office. But uh, I think we're going to start calling it hashtag <gasps> hijacking. And we're yes. just going to start absolutely. Adding random junk photos of dirt bikes uh, to them. So I don't know if we're going to start a new trend with this or not, but I feel like it's uh, got some weight to it. As I would say about my pants on a Saturday evening, that absolutely has some weight to it. And I think we can make that happen. So, <laughs> yes. I am, I'm, I'm totally in. We're going yeah. to make that happen. Okay, so quickly, though, I did, while well, you know, we had the technical difficulties with you kind of falling out there for a little bit, um, I did kind of recap some of the smaller highlights that I kind of captioned from the week. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle them off to you. I've got three of them for you. I would like to get your input on each of them. I'm going to say all three, and then we will let you talk. Are you ready? Okay. 
So David Knight love it. Let's launches go. his own money. Technically, it's not his own money, but he is now on um, a coin from on the Isle of Man actual currency. So that's one. Second, 16-year-old beats Graham Jarvis at the Roof of Africa this past weekend. Uh, so that's two. Third is that the J-Day Off-Road, the first race of the series, is going to be in Florida the Saturday start of bike week. So of all of those things, I want to know what you think about them. All right. So uh, recapping. First one, um, David Knight's coin. Uh, am I surprised? Absolutely not. The guy deserves his own money. He's David Knight. I mean, it shouldn't be a coin. It should be like a gold bar. Solid. That's, that's my only input on that. Uh, uh, let's see. The second one of a 16-year-old winning the roof of Africa. Um, no, nah, you know, that's just amazing. <laughs> yes. Like, straight up. It just shows that there's talent out there. Great. You, I mean, you watch Graham Jarvis ride a dirt bike, and, uh, I mean, it's it blows you away. But um, there, there's just these kids out there, man, that, that this is all they do. I mean, it's with the progression of any sport – you're going to have young athletes coming through. And as a sport grows, these athletes are going to get younger. I mean, I look back specifically to um, uh, when I lived in Southern California, uh, I was really good friends with uh, a guy named Randy. And uh, Randy's kid liked to skateboard. Well, the, Randy's kid ended up being uh, Ryan Sheckler. You know, I mean, just one of the freaking right. gnarliest skateboarders you've ever seen. You know, and it's just like, here's this kid that was so young and up and coming that all these older guys were just like, what is going on? And I think that, I think we have to expect that in our sport coming up. I think that our rider levels are going to, I mean, you look at it with kids like uh Cincerello and stuff like that. I mean, when these kids hit what we determine as the actual pro class or the mainstream, I mean, look out, man, it's only getting faster. The bikes are getting better, but the talent, what these kids are comprehending these days and the accessibility that they have to, um, the knowledge on top of the ability to do these things is it blows me away. Um, and was, uh, finally, the the what was JD the last thing? The road program is now going to have a Florida race, uh, you know, that Saturday right before uh, the bike week. All, all I can say to that is I'll yeah. see you there. Let's, let's do it. Because uh, those boys at J-Day, man, rocking it. I'm down 100%, so I think we should just make a trip out yeah, of it, dude, make we'll a story out of it, and have some fun. <laughs> and uh, see if we can uh, do something for people. Now, what do you think about this Baja situation, man? JCR wrapping it up again. Did you talk about that while <laughs> yeah, I was having I my talk about it a little bit, man. I thought it was interesting. I mean, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal for the fact that JCR comes away with another win. You know, it was, you know, it, it's, it's funny because of the fact that KTM really was trying to put a big you know, a big hoorah into this, you know, with uh, Kurt Caselli and everybody and picking this big team and stuff and trying to get the 250, trying to get the 500, trying to get the 1,000. You know, and it's unfortunate, you know, that Quinn Cody broke his leg, uh, broke his femur, but even when he broke his femur, you know, they were still behind. It's like, I think there's something to be said with the fact that the JCR guys, they know what the heck they're doing when it comes to desert racing. Like, they know how to do that. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I sat down, um, I had a really good talk with Mike Brown in Vegas. Uh, you know, Mike, obviously he, he ran the course, uh, and came right back up to race. And, um, you know, Mike, uh, Mike's a good friend and whatnot. And, you know, the way he put it was, you know, we we just need to come back more prepared. 
you know, the, the honest truth about when you're talking about a team led by one of the one of the biggest stars of Baja, Johnny Campbell, these are guys that live, breathe, and sleep Baja. Um, you know, David Camo, a good friend of mine, he's recently joined the crew uh, with JCR. And, you know, Dave's been down in San Clemente for the past year just preparing for this. And so it's one of those things where these guys, you know, they all go into it with an idea of what it is. But, um, you know, I think JCR and, uh, and, the, and the boys, you know, Robbie Bell and, and, and Destry and all those guys on the Cowie team, uh, you know, these were fierce competitors. But at the end of the day, I think that JCR came on top with just more knowledge of the peninsula. I think they just had it figured out. They knew where things are. They know what lines to take. They know what routes to take. And uh, they end up winning. And that's honestly, when, when you've got a leader like Johnny Campbell, I think that that's kind of he's the flagship of that program. And he's got amazing riders that uh, have been able to work with that and take right. what it is. Well, hopefully, so. you know, I, I, don't, I don't by any means want to come across as like a total like KTM fanboy, even though I am a KTM fanboy. But the thing is, is I, I'm glad that it, it always it felt like it was kind of one-sided when it came to Baja, that, you know, you were kind of expected to see the same guys. Yeah. It's, it felt like they had the same amount of money or maybe a little bit more, maybe a little less, but the same names kind of keep winning. So I'm kind of excited same. to see more... I guess programs putting money towards an actual Baja uh, contingency. So I'm just glad. I'm just happy to see that and to see where that kind of competition then maybe turns into innovation and how things can you know continue to grow and, and gain traction in the Baja scene. I would love to be able to one day go down and uh, do something like that. So I don't know. It'd be great to be able to do something like that. No, no, and absolutely. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from uh, without calling you a ridiculous KTM fanboy, which you are. Uh, uh, I will say that, you know, for years, um, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy to win Baja uh, when there isn't competition. I mean, there's still guys, but I will say that the competition has, has come as high as it possibly will, could this year or in the past two years with the involvement of KTM and the involvement of, uh, of Bell's team and Precision's team and and these guys stepping up to the plate. I feel like for the first time in several years that the Honda team actually has a, a, a huge level of competition that they have to be able to go against. Um, and, and I mean, mark my words, man. I think if KTM spends their time doing their homework and uh, gets down there and, I mean, there's – you're talking about a program that's had you know 20 years to do what they're doing, yeah. and that's why they still dominate. They spend a lot of time, and I think KTM getting right into it, you know, they're going to be able to figure it out and you know give it a year or two. Man, we're going to see some awesome racing, and I'm pumped about it. I mean, I, I can't wait to go down there, and I think you're right. I think we just need to make a so fun trip of it. What we need to do is find a way to become rich quickly, and that way we can just travel the world and report on all of these awesome races. Well, I have a solid idea. You might want to, I mean, you with your awesome business and technical background, you might want to let me know what you think of this. But um, as of right now, the the Colombians control much of uh, the cartel influence uh, in, in the U.S. and North America. And what I was thinking was that maybe we could, you know, start like an alternative cartel Woo! for British Columbia. And we, like the British Colombian cartel. And I feel like the, that we could really step it up in more of a Canadian fashion against the actual Colombians. Well, um, I don't know what 
technically we would import, but I feel like we could figure okay, that out well, to the point where it was very lucrative. Where I do okay. not think that this would work out. Not that I think you have a bad idea. Any idea is a good idea. It just depends on whether idea is actually going to be fruitful or not. Now, this is why I think this idea will not be fruitful. Okay, so British Columbia. What would what would our main import be? Honestly, what do most people think of? They think of weed. They think of marijuana. Pot, the stuff you smoke and you get high on. What happens when you do that? You become chill. You become very relaxed. Now, the Colombians, not the British Colombians, they import cocaine. What happens when you import co or when you do cocaine? You get jacked up. You get crazy. And you shoot motherfuckers. Now, see, the problem is, is like, so their army, if we were to go cartel against cartel, like Colombians versus British Colombians, their cartel is going to be all jacked up on cocaine, while our cartel will be a bunch of potheads. And it's legal in Colorado and Washington now anyway, so, like, half our importation's gone. So. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to sit here I'm with a crushed dream. I'm not trying to put holes in your diaphragm, but, uh, but I'm just I, saying. I, 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 I feel like you. I feel like you just brought some true light to the situation. Uh, I've never been to British Columbia and seen a guy like Don Johnson rolling <laughs> around. And you know, I mean, you're right. You're 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 absolutely right, man. The level of aggression we just couldn't bring it from a British Colombian standpoint. Though, though, there's a couple of times I have driven around Vancouver. There are some crazy ash Asian women, women drivers. Now we have those in the states, but I'm just saying they're like batshit crazy Asian drivers. Well, maybe we could put them to work for us on the front. Like they could be our transport. I like it. <coughs> you never know. Oh, my gosh. I'm dying over here. Okay. Well, we've had a good time talking, but I want to go ahead and mention the fact that we have talked about Fly Racing and some of our friends that are affiliates of Fly Racing. That The honest truth is that Fly Racing is a partner, and they do support Sea Time. And one, I really appreciate that. Two, they're an awesome company. So should I think that you should go check them out? Absolutely, I should maybe think that you should think that you should check them out. Do I want you to? Absolutely. Flyracing.com. Please go check out their website. Check out all the gear they've got coming out. Obviously, 2012 is wrapping up. If you're looking for Christmas gifts for any of your riders, any of your buddies, please, it's a great place to go. Maybe pick up a little bit of gear. Now, I'm going to click through some different things here. I haven't worked out this whole system just yet, but they just released their new uh, their new helmet today. It's like the 3.4 but they say it and spell it all weird. I don't really know what's going on with that. I don't do the marketing. That's other people that we'll make fun of later. But it's a sweet-looking helmet. It definitely matches their new light hydrogen gear with the kind of the, the logo that they've got going on. So I just wanted to throw this up here for you guys. Check out this new helmet. I think it's worth looking into. It's like 160 retail, I think. So maybe you know somebody at a shop. Get you 10 15 20% off. You know, get yourself a new helmet. I think it's pretty bitchin'. And if you slap a couple seat time stickers on there, you're going to look much more freaking awesome. Right, Brian? Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, word on the street is that they have uh, been developing this program, a new helmet with NASA, and they have special space aluminum uh, in the helmet bolts. Yeah, it's so British it's ultra light and fantastic. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, thank you for your English oh, correction on that. You're correct. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> but um, so, uh, Brian, if we wanted to find you, follow you, and do anything social with you, you know, maybe a little handy every now and again, how would we find you? 
Uh, well, you can hit me up on the uh, the old Instagram where I, I tend to be fairly prevalent. Uh, we were always taking pictures of our random adventures and posting them on there at Alliance Off Road. Um, and then and you can hit us up on Twitter at Brian Elliott AMM uh, or just Facebook. Just uh, I don't know. I'm one of the Brian Elliott on there somewhere. And we've got our Alliance Off Road Facebook page as well as our Cam Pro Facebook page and anywhere else, man. You know, just you can always just call me. Give me my just digits. Me, just call me. So my digits. Hey, <laughs> Throw them digits up? out there. I almost there. did. I tried to call you on Google Voice, and uh, we actually left you a message. So you get to check that out later. Yeah, oh, you I got my voicemail on there. This is Brian. This is Brian. Nice, I nice. I have hope. my penis in my hand. <laughs> Would you like to leave me a message? <laughs> I was really going for that Brian Deegan broed out Southern California voice on my voicemail. So it was more like, hey, yeah, what's up? This is Brian. Um, if you want to commit some sick ramps with me yeah. or rally cars, I just like give me a call. I like how you immediately go a little um, more high-pitched because he like does have that little bit more high-pitched voice than you would expect him to have. Well, you know, Nebraska. It's a, it's a tough state for really deep <laughs> they, voices, I guess. They don't I make guess. them very so manly never up know. there, do they? All right, so... If you thought anything anything you heard tonight, maybe even saw a little bit of, was funny, definitely go check us out some more. Seatime.co is where all the shenanigans live. You can find all of our past episodes, things like that. Okay, so if you wanted to maybe hit us up socially, facebook.com slash seatime is where we're at on Facebook. You can find us there. Hit us up. Make us all feel awesome. If you wanted to tweet us real hard, twitter.com slash seatime underscore CEO is our Twitter handle. Tweet us real hard. That's what we like. We like it dirty. We like it hard. We like it all the time. So that's it, episode 64. Uh, technical difficulties out the ass, but you know what? It wouldn't be seat time without some freaking technical difficulties, I can tell you that, the way the past couple episodes have going. So, uh, Brian Elliott, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time, figuring it out, being here with us. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Uh, I always enjoy spending time with you on a Tuesday night. So, uh, definitely, uh, thanks for everybody that's listening again. Thanks to all of our great sponsors, the guys at Fly, Flex Bars, uh, Yamaha Ampro, you know, all of our boys out there who love helping. So I'm uh, just pumped to be a part of the Hell program. Yeah. Man. Can't thanks wait for us to get in trouble me. over that recluse shit. Let's figure it out. All right. Thank you very much. This has been Seat Time. Remember to always enjoy a pint full of awesome. We'll see you next week for episode 65, where I heard a rumor that John Day will actually be on and come talk about his series. So thank you very much, everybody. Take it easy. Peace. Hey, hey, hey! hey, hey.